Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. One hour to go. Welcome to this Hall of Fame edition of TC Live. Newport, Rhode Island, a city filled with history. The perfect location for the legends of our sport to be immortalized for all time. And today, we add another member to this illustrious group. Leighton Hewitt will get inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. It's coming up at 6 Eastern right here on Tennis Channel. Here's what else is coming up on the big show We've got all the highlights, all the insight from semifinal Saturday. Four new champions set to be crowned on Sunday. Our tennis story profiles one of the sport's most unique Hall of Famers who left behind some valuable memories. And after a one-year delay, this first-rate mate is in Newport, ready to be inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. With that, we welcome you into our studios in Santa Monica, California. Steve Weissman back alongside Prakash Amitraj and Class of 2014 Hall of Famer Lindsey Davenport. Our Brett Haber will be the master of ceremonies coming up top of the hour in Newport. A lot to talk about today. But first, what's Leighton Hewitt feeling right now just an hour before giving that big speech? Yeah, it's such a mix of emotions here. So proud, but you're also nervous. And for me, I was overwhelmed. It was a, an obviously huge moment. And as a player, really, it was the first time I really felt comfortable reflecting on what I had accomplished, maybe what I had gone through my whole path. And there's always some special people there as well. So it can be quite emotional. We've seen some amazing ones in the past. Pete Sampras, who famously went, couldn't get through a speech without <laughs> crying. You know, it, it's, a, it's a whole mixed bag of emotions. But for Hewitt, he must be so proud and excited for this huge moment. And the fact that he comes from the great tennis nation of Australia, and he's always been so cognizant of all the history that's come before him, the John Newcombs, the Rod Lavers, Ken Rosewalls, and it just sort of stays with you, especially in this moment. You're able to reflect and see how you've been a part of that history and now be enshrined into that same Hall of Fame. Uh, just very special for him, his family, and Australia. Of course, they went through the museum, saw all the Hall of Famers, all the memorabilia, and he's had to wait a year because he's class of 2021 because of the pandemic, couldn't come to Newport last year. Of course, the Aussie burst onto the scene as a 16-year-old. He beat Andre Agassi on the way to his first title in Adelaide. He would win two major singles titles, the 2001 U.S. Open, 2002 at Wimbledon. Also won the U.S. Open doubles title in 2000, would get to number one in the world in 2001, the youngest to ever rise to the top on the men's side. Won 30 total singles titles. Helped lead Australia to the Davis Cup in 1999 and 2003. Just a spectacular career, Prakash. Uh, 100%. And look, the first thing you think about when you look at this unbelievable resume is his fighting spirit. And I don't know if there's a match that punctuated that more than in that 2003 run to the Davis Cup title. Takes on Roger Federer at home, Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne. Two sets to love down. Federer serving for the match. 
And our man finds a way to come through in five sets and win. Still talks about it as one of his most memorable wins. Yeah, it's not easy to get to number one in the world at any stage, but also 20 years of age, and especially with Hewitt and his game, didn't get tons of free points with a serve and still able to be so consistent and be so good in his teenage years. You don't see that very often. It's, it's a special few that are able to do that, and he's certainly one of them. The greatness, Prakash, but also the grit. And this guy, five foot ten, when he came on tour, he's 130 pounds and able to beat the greats of all time. And you know what? When he first came on, he was, you know, he was giving it the come on as loud as he possibly could. And that was that was the thing. Players were like, you know what? Not everyone's doing this. Is it okay that he's doing this? He didn't care. That's who he was. That's the emotion that he had. He became known for it. And now look, you've got so many players out there that are so emotional, and it's it's not as big of a deal. And he was really one of those first guys to really show it. Of course, beat Pete Sampras in that major final and look at his head-to-head -head record against some of the greatest players of all time doesn't have a losing record against any guys currently in the hall of fame lindsay yeah that is remarkable and you look at some of the great players he played against some of them were maybe towards the end of their career but still that i'm not sure we've ever seen that just such a, a dominating record against so many legendary players also i think as you as you come in uh, in leighton hewitt's shoes here and you Think about all the great matches you've played. You think about all the rivals you've played the most against. And look, 14 times against our Andy Roddick and Murat Safin, 7-7 seven, seven apiece. They've had some absolute wars there. And you really think, you know, who you were in the trenches with, who those big battles were with. And they're all a part of your journey. I know Andy is there with him over there. It was marvelous that he showed up as well. So you just kind of think about that whole brotherhood of the whole tennis family that you were a part of that's helped you get here. Andy always talks about Hewitt being one of the toughest guys he had ever faced on tour. Of course, we've got the ceremony coming up top of the hour, but as always, the Hall of Fame Open coincides with the induction at the International Tennis Hall of Fame All-American semifinal today between four-time champ John Isner and then the former Bruin Maxime Cressy, all-time ace leader on tour against the guy who hasn't been broken all week, Prakash. You called this one. Well, this was an interesting match to watch. Both guys serving, obviously, very big. John dealing with a little bit of a right knee issue towards the end of that first set. Cressy doing what he needed to do, returning very well, but some fire from Big John early here in the second set. Took a couple of painkillers. I think they kicked in. Third set, some great tennis from both players, but it was this big forehand from Cressy that opened it up, gave him a break point, and then one of the most unique things I've ever seen, he barely gets his racket on this ball, but strikes it off the frame with enough spin that it not only spins back, Big John couldn't reach it. That's, that, that's how I look in the commentating booth, just watching that shot. And then punctuates it with a beautiful volley to finish things off. Down 15-40 in that last game, but showing some clutch serving there to close things up. And Max Cressy after the match with Blair Henley. How did you prepare to play John today? Nah, my, my preparation was just very simple. It was just to, uh, to hold my serve and, and be uh, incredibly efficient on, on the serve and... Uh, and then see what happens in, in on the returns. But uh, no, I'm glad I was able to put a lot of pressure on him. And uh, no, I feel the, felt very special uh, to play in front of a crowd like you guys. And uh, thank you. Well, that was Isner's first loss in Newport since 2015. He beat Alexander Bublik in the final in 2019. Taking on Aussie Jason Kubler, who had just reached the round of 16 at Wimbledon. 25-4 and four since May, Lindsay. Yeah, this is a... a Incredible match from Bublik, who was managed to serve one of the best matches. Only lost three points in total in the first set. Two of them were on double faults, just absolutely dominating. Kubler 
really struggled to get into this match. He got down early in both sets, and Bublik got more confident as this match went on. We saw power, we saw feel, but overall, just an exceptional serving day for Bublik. This great get over his shoulder, still able to pass Kubler. Kubler just didn't have the firepower needed to hurt Bublik, and Bublik able to cruise in an hour and eight minutes. 6-3, 6-2, Bublik back into the final in Newport. And this is what it's said to be. First meeting between these two. Bublik, one of seven players to get a title for the first time on the ATP this year. Will Maxime Cressy be the eighth? This is his third final of the season. A guy who just at this time last year was ranked 155 in the world for Kosh. Now he's going to be in the top 40, win or lose. Well, just marvelous stuff. And it's not just the serve. He's been developing so many different aspects of his game. Looks so much more comfortable from the baseline. And what I love is his net coverage. He's serving volleys a lot. A lot of players today can volley well. But it's that whole net coverage and where you move that is very impressive from him. He's brought back the serve and volley. He said, I'm going to stick to this. It is a winning strategy. How has he done it? Well, he does it also with a lot of times going for a first serve as a second serve. He is all or nothing on the first serve. It's not just getting a serve in and then hoping to dig out a good volley. He believes in his serve. He believes in his game, really stays true to it. It's been fascinating to watch him rise these last couple of years and really not being a dominant collegiate player and now going into a career high rank pushing in to try and get into the top 30. Been fun to see players develop, but I think it gives a lot of players who are trying to make that transition from college tennis to the pros a lot of hope. Doesn't mean you have to win NC2As. You don't have to be the best junior. But if your game's developing and you stay true to it and you keep improving every year, so many of these players are showing anything's possible. Who do you think wins this match? Well, <laughs> you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> but, uh, look, I, I think Alexander Bublik is one of the most unpredictable guys on the tour. He's so unpredictable, in fact. I don't think he has any clue what he's about to do when he steps on the court out there. So on these Newport courts, unpredictability, I'm going to go with Mr. Three Seed. I'm going to go with Mr. Bublik. Okay, well, hey, it's Trojan here, so he's not going to pick the Bruin, oh. you know. Oh. You know what? I didn't even think that. Maybe that wasn't yeah. the same thing. <laughs> In my head, you're digging deep, Weissman. You're right? digging deep. House divided between Cressy and our guy Prakash. By the way, 14 years ago, we got a flashback because my man Prakash was getting ready for a final oh in Newport. Goodness, look at that. Had just taken out How Frank Dancevich. How old are you? Look, I think I was 23. Come on. You know, young. Look at this kid looking like a suntan Superman over there. <laughs> Those couple diamond studs in his ears, carving, running to the net. And look, Pops, he's won the tournament three times. They had him giving out the trophy, thought he was going to have it to me. And look at my face. That, look, that, that's how I felt. He looks a little too happy there, Prakash. You look at him grinning. I'm just not having it. He's giving the trophy to Santoro. By the way, Lindsay, I have never been underspin lobbed so many times in my <laughs> life in the course of two sets. And on those courts. That would have been tough. They call him the magician. They yeah. call him the magician for a reason. Th this was a post-match quote that I dug up from oh, Prakash. No. He said, oh, he is annoying. You play the point, you think it is over, and then you see the ball coming back. You know what? 14 years later, I stand by that. There you go. <laughs> I stand by that statement. He was annoying. He's a fantastic guy, but the ball kept coming back. You made the final. Pops was there. It was a fun time. It was a great time. And, of course, that event is a very special event. All the players there are so welcomed by all of the people around. They know their history. A lot of the fans have been coming for decades and decades. You have the historic St. Mary's Church on William Street where JFK got married. There's just there's a lot there. It feels like a very special, intimate event. And one of the few folks, you can say 14 years later, 
in better shape than he was there when he go. was a pro you tennis always, player. Well, you always know what to say. You know, <laughs> That's my guy. Make me blush on TC Live. <laughs> we are leading up to the top of the hour, the induction ceremony. It's all about Leighton Hewitt at 6 Eastern. We will have it for you. But first, training camp right around the corner. Find out which NFL quarterback is putting tennis into his off-season workout routine. Don't go anywhere. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Back on this Hall of Fame edition of TC Live, last year we had a special combined ceremony with the class of 2020 and part of 2021. Conchita Martinez, the first Spaniard to win Wimbledon, and then how about Goran Ivanisevic, the Croatian most known for being the first wild card and lowest ranked player to win Wimbledon in 2001. He got to number two in the world and the original nine inducted as a group without these incredible women who fought for equality we wouldn't have the WTA Tour and all the fame and fortune that has come with it. Of course, Leighton Hewitt was also a member of that 2021 class but could not make it because of the pandemic. So he gets his own ceremony tonight. We've got it for you. Top of the hour, 6 Eastern, right here on Tennis Channel. More, though, from semifinal Saturday first in Sweden. Francisco Sarundolo looking to crack the top 35 for the first time in his career. That would happen with the win over Pablo Carino Busta Prakash. Surrendal has been having one heck of a year so far. Had a brilliant run on the hard courts in Miami earlier this year. His first Masters 1000. And, and Clay is as strong as surface. He dictated today completely with that forehand of his. And look, Carino Busta is a tough competitor, especially on the clay. He doesn't give you very much. But it was Surrendalo who was the one who was up more on the baseline, pressing his body weight forward, and really dictating play with that forehand. Didn't really give him much of a sniff. Took that first set 6-3, got off to a great start here in the second set. Couple breaks, and again, just very comfortable out there. You can see some beautiful feel there on the backhand side. Slides into it nicely. Very comfortable. Two breaks, second set. Serves it out with ease. Again, closing things out with his best shot. That big forehand. All smiles. Said, I think I played one of the best matches in my career today. Second ACP Tour final for Sarandolo. Who would he play? 21-year-old Sebastian Baez and Andre Rublev, both at career highs, Lindsay. The fifth-ranked Russian, certainly the favorite in this one, but Baez was on fire. He was, and Rublev looking for some opportunities to play tournaments after not being allowed to play at Wimbledon. But it was all Baez in that first set. Rublev never got to a break point, and instead Baez able to break two times. The interesting thing is it was Baez who was able to dominate from the back of the court. Normally, Rublev so effective at overpowering his opponents with his ground strokes, and it wasn't happening today against Baez, who was really able to withstand the firepower off of Rublev and then give it out. Up a set and an early break in the second set, and Baez never looked back. Bit of a shocker if you haven't been watching tennis all year, but Sebastian Baez has been balling lately. Best season of his life. First top 10 win for the Argentine, and it sets up an all-Argentinian final. First meeting at this level. Baez leads Sorrentino 2-1, three meetings at Futures and the Challenger Tour level. Looking forward to this one, 8 Eastern tomorrow. 
course, that is the final. But we got to talk a little bit about Dominic Team, who finally was able to show some decent form. He actually lost to Baez in the quarterfinals, but picked up a couple of top 50 wins. He certainly did. I watched some of these matches, and you're just seeing a few more errors than you're used to from Dominic Team. Perhaps not as clean with the movement, a little bit off balance here and there. And match reps are just very different than practice reps. It's brilliant that he's feeling completely healthy and is able to put himself through three set battles out there and still hold up afterward. But He's just going to have to get a ton of matches under his belt to just cut down those errors time and time again. Yeah, you know, he started playing tournaments. It almost looked like a little bit too soon as the technique. He was really trying to make adjustments. He wasn't swinging like he used to. It looked a little bit more normal this past week, a little bit more acceleration, especially on that forehand wing. So I wonder if it's just about getting that arm a little bit stronger again. Wonder if he didn't come back a little too soon. Then you start to take some losses. Your confidence starts to get chipped away at. But he looked better. A lot of positive strides. I actually loved his honesty in his first win. Opponent double faulted on match point at 5-6 the breaker. And team was going, oh, I was just hoping for a double. <laughs> he just wanted to get that first win. Get the monkey off his back. We all hope that now he can move forward being a little bit more free. He was 0-6 to start the year. Got that win against Emil Roussevori, Roberto Bautista Agut as well. And we hope to see Dominic Thiem, former U.S. Open champ, doing big things this summer. The ladies also in action in Switzerland. Petra Martic playing Caroline Garcia. Martic hadn't won a set against Garcia in three previous meetings, Lindsay, but hadn't lost a set this week. Uh, both of those facts no longer true. <laughs> it was an interesting match here early. Martic's game, all the variety, all the top spin. Able to win a very tight first set using all of that. But Garcia, she is so streaky, Steve. And in that second set, she was on fire, just dominating from the back of the court. Nothing Martich could do to handle the power of Garcia. But in the third, it was Martich in midway through the set, able to really steady her game and able to take that all the way through to the end. Love her variety on these courts. Heavy topspin, slice backhands, and able to get through. First final in nearly three years for Petra Martic, and she will take on Olga Danilovic, who's playing her first in four years. Danilovic beat Anastasia Potapova today. So Danilovic, Martic, both. One of them guaranteed a title 7 a.m. Eastern tomorrow in Budapest. American qualifier Bernarda Pera having an amazing week, trying to reach her first career singles final, taking on and a Bondar, Lindsay. Yeah, this was a big win for Peros. Dropped to 130 in the rankings, playing Bondar, who is almost in the top 50. And for Para, something has clicked this week where she's been able to reestablish her game. She's a hitter. Doesn't play your traditional play court game being a lefty, but she has been on fire, hitting winners off of both wings. And today was no exception, looking to really control the flow of this match, ripping ground strokes. And, Steve, great to see her back playing, great to see her healthy, but playing so well here. Including qualities, Para hasn't dropped a set all week. She was 0-4 in semifinals before today, so able to get her first career final. She will meet Alexandra Krunich in the final tomorrow. Championship Sunday on Tennis Channel starting at 7 a.m. Eastern. Champions being crowned almost every hour, finishing in Newport at noon Eastern. And that is where we are headed at the top of the hour. Stay with us on TC Live. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back on TC Live, the scene is set in the horseshoe at the International Tennis Hall of Fame, Newport, Rhode Island. Leighton Hewitt going to be up on that stage being inducted. He already got his Brooks Brothers suit. Ready to go. Top of the hour. Yes, Stan Smith will be there. A whole lot of Hall of Famers. Cannot wait for that. Don't miss new episodes of My Tennis Life. This week, we go behind the scenes of Isla Tomjanovic's deep run at Wimbledon. Also, see how J.J. Wolf is prepping for the U.S. summer hardcourt season. You can watch for free on the Tennis Channel app and TennisChannel.com. By the way, Isla's got a new hairdo she posted on Instagram. Uh, the caption... Joseph, what are we doing today? Isla, hot girl summer. Joseph, say no more. Lindsay, that, that's kind of what you say when you go to the salon, right? <laughs> hot girl summer. What are we doing? Tomjanovich has played so well coming off Wimbledon, looking to uh, continue that momentum into the summer and wants a new look. <laughs> Why not? You know what? Yeah. I, I dig the new do. I dig it. There you go. Yeah. You look great. That's Why what not? care about. You, you got you to get the right hashtags in there. Hot girl summer works, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's hot outside, so you know shorter cut. I don't think keep it cool. She was going that's not what, that's not what I, I was going for there. That's not what it's about. Uh, this next story, by the way, I reported on NFL Network on Thursday, and I love when tennis and football can kind of collaborate, coincide. Today we're talking about it on TC. Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins in Newport this week with Andy Murray said he was looking for a fun way to train this offseason fell in love with tennis said it carries over to playing quarterback also met John Isner and some other guys I, I want you to, to rate what do you think of this one-hander looks good well I we gotta I, see more shots not how he picks up the balls though looks a little you know he looks a little muscular to be on a tennis court and you know so he looks to, like you tough, uh, tough to finish those strokes you know over those pectoral muscles this guy's got but I love seeing Andy and him together. I mean, Andy's always, you know, looking to learn from other greats in different sports and stuff. So I like them, too, linking up. How about uh, throwing a football before you play a match? Yeah. Did you do, you all do that? growing up just to try and get, like, some upper arm strength and, and you, help with the serve. You get the whole rotator cuff thing going. You know, it's funny. At Newport, there, there's a whole line of grass courts there leading up to the clubhouse. And all of the players there back in the day, we used to all line up and see who could launch it and see if we could get it over the clubhouse. And the only guy who could throw it that far was Dusan Vemic, for those of you who remember the name, who went into coaching after he finished playing. Guy had an absolute laser of an arm. <laughs> How far did you get it? Impressive. You know what? We're talking about, we've got important tennis <laughs> stuff to talk about. Right? I, I'm curious if the Vikings stayed at the Viking Hotel. That's what I wanted to. That was like the inside I, I, info that I, I, I needed. I, I see what you did there. Right? I see what you did there. I mean, that's the famous hotel. You guys have that's to make like your own little shtick going on. I'm just not sure what's happening. <laughs> Come on in, Lindsay. Join Hot Girl Summer. Uh, we are leading up to the top of the hour. We've got Leighton Hewitt being inducted in Newport. You can see the scene is being set. It's one of the most special days on the tennis calendar. All the Hall of Famers in attendance and more TC Live after this. Lindsay Prakash, Steve, back on TC Live, leading up to the Leighton Hewitt induction ceremony, top of the hour. But first, a tennis story on one of the more unique Hall of Famers who has ever been inducted in Newport. 
My feeling is this. The joy in tennis should come from striving, working hard to improve your strokes, and having fun at the game. In 2017, Vic Braden was posthumously inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. A jovial figure who was larger than life, Vic captured the hearts of Americans and tennis lovers through his informative yet also humorous tennis instructional videos that ran through the 80s. Keep your shot deep and make room for more trophies. This is during the time when a great many people of all ages, shapes, and sizes are picking up tennis. And Vic is the one helping them try to do that. But Vic was so much more than an on-camera tennis teacher. He was influential in the growth, impact, and study of tennis. He created this whole incredible tennis college with hitting lanes, video cameras, and seminars. And it sounded just like welcome to tennis in the future. He was doing it before anyone else was doing it. And that's why I think people kind of raise their eyebrows. What most don't realize is that Vic was also a historian and professional archivist, documenting anything and everything wherever he went. Even dating back to the 1950s when Vic traveled with his close friend and father of the pro game, Jack Kramer. I'm sure our fans would appreciate some tips that you might have on volleying. Well, Bob, let's go. Vic got into the pro game in his 20s, working with Jack Kramer and helping make the tour happened. So it really, you got this kind of crash course in high-level pro tennis. You're watching the best eight or ten players in the world play each other night after night. It becomes this exponential growth of knowledge. It's just incredible. Throughout Vic's career, he collected thousands of 16-millimeter reels, thousands of beta tapes, and a photography collection in excess of 40,000 slides. With the help of Vic's widow, Melody Braden, Tennis Channel is working on bringing this archive to life. Digging through the archive has uncovered a treasure trove of some of the game's most important moments. Unseen footage of the early Barnstormers, Lou Hode, Pancho Gonzalez, Rod Laver. There is no quitting for Rod Laver. Vic star pupil Tracy Austin learning the game of tennis. A young Andre Agassi walking to Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. Billie Jean King and Arthur Ashe imparting the techniques that led them to become champions. Sorry, on the forward swing and really reach out. In the years to come, Tennis Channel will look forward to cataloging and putting Vic's library to use in original content and documentaries. Vic's archive is a tremendous treasure, a tremendous asset. Vic Braden entertained us with his unique and analytic approach. And now with the help of his archive, Tennis Channel looks to carry on Vic's legacy for decades to come. That was his whole object, is to teach people how to learn, have fun with the game, and laugh and win. Beginners or intermediates who lose often go crazy, but I say laugh and hit. Chances are you'll have more fun, and you're going to win a lot more often. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Love that. Laugh and hit. Coached our own Tracy Austin from 2 to 7. She said he always made it fun. And as you were seeing some of those videos, 
Uh, you, you had some reactions there. No, it's just remarkable to see how much he touched and how many players. But also, you know, we, we talk about the sport. And back then, I mean, there wasn't the technology, obviously, that there is today. But he was really one of the first ones to really dig deep into in how the technique, why is this happening? How should you be hitting the serve? Teach it properly and to get the players to really bring up their level. Growing up here in Southern California, it's such an influence on everybody in this sport, always showing up at tournaments with his energy, always knew when he was around. You could hear him, you could feel it, and he really made such a lasting impact, not only in, in this region, but really all over the country. Some of those images really put a big smile on your face seeing what he was able to capture. And I guess what sticks out the most to me was the personality he did it with, but also how ahead of his time he yep. was. Uh, I remember my uh, father, Vijay, talking about going to his, his, his location where they filmed him with cameras above him on the side and so forth to be able to capture his serve. And no one was even thinking in that manner at that time. So he was really ahead of his time. And also, let me just say, I think the man would have been huge on social media today. <laughs> he had some of the best <laughs> slogans out there. My favorite one, hit it deep down the middle and you'll be famous by Friday. I mean, <laughs> this is good stuff. That's a hashtag waiting to happen. You know, Absolutely. Ahead of his time. Love the positivity also. Just like you were saying, yep. have fun and it'll come better. He wrote books, instructional videos, so popular. He had his own PBS special, yeah. uh, Tennis for the Future. And, and that was something that was a part of his book that, I mean, it was like 20 years ahead of time. It's amazing, and especially when you look at tennis now and, and all the little things from, or the big things rather, when, when prize money is the way it's at, when you have so many eyeballs on the game, all the different networks that are carrying it, and I mean, look at how many homes Tennis Channel is in right now, and you always have to think back on the history of the sport and all of the great stewards of the sport over the decades as it can continue to grow, and, and Vic is a huge part of that. And to be able to promote the sport like that as well, when this was something that, you know, he wasn't a part of the, the Barnstormers tour, but he, but he was, yep. right? He was out there when, when Jack Kramer and everybody was playing. This was the one who was like, come, see everybody, as they were going from city to city and promoting the sport of tennis. Yeah, really forward thinking from him, really out of the box, and really had this vision of trying to grow the game in an era where it was really tough to do that, right? As we talk about now, we've got social media, and you've got 500 channels on the TV, you've got the radio, and so many channels, so many opportunities he kept trying and he kept trying to bring his enthusiasm he kept trying to get more and more people involved in the sport and he also tried to get the players that were doing so well that were leading in the pro ranks get them to be higher profile players also i think we just take one step back and just kind of get away from the sport for a minute and just take a life lesson out of this as well and you see on all of those pieces of footage there how much he genuinely loved it and how much, if he wasn't getting paid a single dollar, this is probably exactly what he'd be doing anyway. And I feel like when you do that in life, whatever it is, you just tend to be successful. You tend to be happy. You tend to be fulfilled. So uh, a great symbol of that as well. Do what you love. Be passionate about whatever you're doing. And uh, certainly Vic Braden was. And we've got that entire library of video. Tennis Channel is currently digitizing that and can't wait to produce some more content. If you like those little clips, we've got tons more. Folks filing in right now, Newport, Rhode Island. We are leading up to the top of the hour. The induction ceremony there for Leighton Hewitt. We've got good news for Serena fans. See where she is playing next. Tennis royalty with English royalty. That's right. Prakash, Vijay, in the box. And all the Tennis Channel Hall of Famer speeches. It's good stuff. Any part of you want to play the Grand Slam of your home country? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, when you're at home and especially in New York and the U.S. Open and um, that being the first place I've won a Grand Slam is something that's always super special. Your first time is always special. So um, there's definitely, you know, lots of motivation to get better and to play, you know, at home. That was Serena at Wimbledon, and then we saw this two days ago. She's back. The three-time champ playing in Toronto for the National Bank Open. She has reached the semis or better the last five times she has played. She's playing in Canada. Lindsay, what do you make of this? Yeah, it's a great sign for Serena and trying to get ready to play the U.S. Open. She entered on her protected ranking. We hope we see her there. 23 and trying so hard the last few years to get to 24. She's gotten close. No matter what, I, I don't know. I still think she leads this. I don't like that. Court's included in this graphic. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Look, I don't think you can compare those slams at that time to these slams at this time. It's, it's, it's apples and oranges. But putting that list aside, completely agree with you. It's a great sign that she's over here in Canada. She learned that she definitely does need matches after what happened at Wimbledon. But I just want to see her put in the work. Look, at this age, I still firmly believe she's capable of absolutely going out there and winning a Grand Slam. I think the women's game, there are a lot of great players all vying for a spot right now, but it's a little bit up in the air. Of course, Iga has been a bit dominant, but there's, there's room. You know, people can lose early. There's a lot of a segue to be able to look at the two finalists we had at Wimbledon, but you can't do it without the work. Yeah, and seven matches in 13 days for the women. You're going to have to be able to really keep it going for the space of those two weeks, right? And little injuries always come up, but you've got to be fresh and ready to go for the next match day. I mean, the the ultimate goal for Serena, obviously, are the majors. I would assume right now she's looking at a schedule trying to get ready for the U.S. Open. It's going to take, as as Prakash said, a lot of work, a lot of time on court, trying to get matches under her belt, trying to get to the position where she can play three, maybe four hours, and then play again the next day. And that takes a while for the body to get back accustomed to that. She didn't practice a whole lot this last year after getting hurt at Wimbledon in 2021. She needs some time on court. There's no doubt about the mind, the heart, and the soul. It's the reps and keeping the body healthy. All right, so we saw her at Wimbledon lose to Harmony Tan, three sets, was serving for the match in the third, was not able to get that win. Harmony Tan goes on to the round of 16, loses to Amanda Anasimova. Lindsay, what positive signs did you take from this match? That she was out there on the court and really showing that she wants to be out there competing. Listen, it, it's it's great that these players, they were wanting to play in their late 30s, early 40s. We talked about, we Federer started talking about, oh, he hopes he can get back there. That hasn't always been the case. The players, that the great players were happy to walk away in their early 30s and kind of leave with that legacy of still winning so many matches. Serena's not satisfied with just taking the court. But she's going to have to spend a lot of time on the court getting her game better. It's great. We saw moments of it. But she also needs that serve working at a high percentage of the time. We saw a few serves go in at, at 120. But she used to be able to serve like that through a whole match, not just pull one or two out in a set. So certain things with her game, if her body can allow her to, that needs to rise a little bit. And adding to that, I think Serena's a type of champion that always has tried to learn. You know, how can I do something better? What do I have now? What do I not have right now? And I think another positive is she learned she can't just go and step on the court and, you know, turn it on maybe the way she used to. And if she's not able to bring those 120-mile-an-hour serves consistently over a two-, three-set period, 
what else do I have in there? You know, I mean, it's a bit of a different situation, but Nadal against Fritz, when he didn't have that serve, he, he problem solved and found other ways. So what does Serena have in the tank? How can she use that to get fitter and still go and win that Grand Slam title? And, and I'm sure it's working in her head. She, she Listen, she's enjoying life as well. She posted some photos with her family, Beautiful. her husband, her daughter in Greece after Wimbledon. She's playing Canada. How much does she need, how many matches does she need if she wants to win the U.S. Open? Uh, well, I would say five to ten singles matches. You can't just rock up and play one, and that's what she was trying to do at Wimbledon. Wasn't really ready for those those moments of the match, like all of a sudden it's five all in the first set. What do I do here? The more times you play, it becomes it just becomes instinctual. You know where you're going to serve. You know what's happening out there. She's she's really. I'd love to see her play healthy in Canada, in Cincinnati. Take a week and be ready for New York. It's just that habit of winning, you know, and and th- that's the right amount that's sort of going to get you there. Before that, it still feels a little bit new and a little bit like you haven't been out there. But when you're able to play five, ten matches, all of a sudden you're not thinking about what happens at five all. You're just kind of instinctually picking the right shots, doing the right things. You're finding ways out of matches that you normally wouldn't find your way out of. And not enough can be said about, you know, being in that habit of it. Six-time U.S. Open champion. Made the finals there 2018, 2019. It's not that long ago, three years ago. She's no longer with Patrick Moradoglu. Um, in terms of coaching, what's that status? What does she need? I think she's fine. I mean, it, 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 you've accomplished as much as she has. You've played as long as she has. She knows exactly what it's going to take. The question is, is she willing to sacrifice and put in all that work of what it takes to be number one and to win a major? It's a lot. And when you have a lot of other things going on, and especially when your priorities shift to your children, to your, your other life, it, some players aren't willing to put that in. If you are not willing to put that in, you're not going to win majors anymore. It's just the sport is, is too quick. It's, it's too physical. It's amazing on the men's side. You still see Novak and Rafa willing to sacrifice, willing to do everything it takes to be able to do that. Most, most people are not wired like that. And you're right. I'm not sure everyone even knows the extent of how thinly extended Serena is. She's got a VC fund where she's investing into female companies and helping them to grow. She's got a media company. She's doing charitable work. There's, there's a lot going on over here. And then, of course, she's a mother, and she loves spending time with her family as well. But um, going to the coaching aspect of it, I think even if it's available to players, which it is now, we're going to see that trial now with the WTA going on, uh, coaching sort of on your side of the court, I don't think it's something Serena wants. I think it's something she's happy problem-solving on her own out there. She does have Eric Heckman in her corner, who's been coaching Venus Williams, who coached Serena at Wimbledon this year. There's a great amount of trust there. I think she's in a good spot there. I don't think that's going to affect her. Listen, it's just good to see her back on the court. Absolutely. The energy, everything about having Serena at a tournament raises the profile of that tournament. So, Canada, (laughs) 100%. you're welcome from Serena. And hopefully the U.S. Open. We shall see what happens. Uh, One day, Serena's going to walk down that aisle right there, be inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame five years after whenever she stops playing. It's Leighton Hewitt's day today. It is coming up. We are moments away from the Aussie being enshrined in the Tennis Hall of Fame. Welcome back. A reminder to make tennis.com your online information source throughout Tennis Channel Summer in the City. Stay current with live match scoring, stats, draws, rankings. Right now, Matt Fitzgerald has a great one-on-one with Leighton Hewitt ahead of his induction into the Tennis Hall of Fame. Visit tennis.com today. We are leading into summer in the cities. That's right. London calling is done. It is now summer in the cities. Heading to the U.S. Open next week. 
Hamburg, Gstaad, Palermo. Then we've, of course, got Atlanta. Then we got the City Open at D.C., the WTA. The women are in San Jose, leading up to the Canadian Masters, the men in Montreal, the women in Toronto. Uh, and then, of course, we're headed to New York City. But Cincinnati. I would... Yes, Cincinnati, Cincinnati as well. Western and Southern Open, we yes. love you there. Greater's yes. ice cream, it's the best. <laughs> Skyline of Chile? No, Lindsay and I had a bad experience with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, it was not good. <laughs> so that's, that's a story for me. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> but Greater's great. Uh, who do you expect to make a big splash, Lindsay, in the uh, summer in the cities? Well, I always go, like to look at the Americans, and we've seen Anna Smova have a lot of momentum going through. I never like to count out Maddie or Sloan, but I still think huge things are on the horizon for Coco. And I mean big, like, going to win that major. Mm -hmm. And got very close in Paris. I think she feels really great about where she is. She's getting more confident with her game each and every year. I just don't see how it's not going to happen. Can can never go against that. It's always a good pick. I'll I'll look on the men's side, Americans as well. And I, I think the best thing we have going right now with our Americans is each one of them are pushing each other. So the minute Taylor wins Indian Wells, all of a sudden you see another one have a big jump, another one have a big jump. And Sebastian Corda wasn't able to play at Wimbledon. He had some issues with his shin, so he's been recovering. So he's been watching all of his colleagues do well, have some runs here. And, and that's got to give you a little bit of a fire under your belly, in addition to the fact that he's just been gradually progressing upwards and upwards. I think he has a complete all-round game. There's not very much he can't do. Continues to get stronger in the head. I think he's primed for a big hardcore season. Great picks. Corda, Coco, love it. Also keep an eye out for Anna Samova, maybe Bianca Andrescu as well. Time to enter the social net. Our guy, Marty Fish, U.S. Davis Cup captain, former world number seven, and celebrity golfer extraordinaire. He got a sponsor's exemption into the big tour PGA level in his hometown in Minnesota. How cool is that, Pekka? I, I love seeing this. Look, obviously I'm a huge fan of Fishy, but I'm an insane fan of golf. I've been wanting him to play some pro events because he is so good. Jack Nicholas actually said he is the greatest non-professional golfer he has ever seen, ever seen. in his life. I mean, that's, that's big kudos. So I'd love to see this. Always wins those celebrity events as yeah. well. The, the uh, ACC event, he was just playing with Stephen Curry. And you know what? He, he, he plays with his backhand side. I mean, that beautiful backhand he had on the court, he said, you know what? I'm going to play lefty out there on the golf course. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch. We love back back uh, when you made the final in Newport, Marty Fish won the doubles with John Isner. That's right. That's right. Uh, how about this next story that we have? Lindsay Davenport. Oh, oh my. <laughs> and her two daughters, Lauren and Kaya, at uh, the L.A. Sparks game, this sitting in front row. This, uh, I love to see this, Lindsay. Yeah, we've been going to a lot of them. I've got one daughter who is a hooper. So we have been going. been very exciting. I think all these sports, and you give your kids as much access as you can to whatever it is, collegiate sports, pro sports, junior sports, whatever it is. We've had a blast. been super fun to follow that this summer. My daughter got Candace Parker's autograph. Ooh. We named. We had to name our dog after Candace Parker, so oh, we had man. a very exciting night on Thursday. They look They look amazing. Liz, I have a funny feeling. You know what? If you had played basketball, you'd probably be a Hall of Famer there, too. Uh, I don't know you about know? that, but it's fun, to, it's fun to get to know all these other sports. I will say that. I got one that plays volleyball, one that plays basketball. We have a blast. Wait, did Kaya tell Candace about the dog? No. Oh. <laughs> she was way too shy, but she got it on her own. I'm like, girl, I am not helping you. You've got to figure all this out on your own. Kaya Leach, future <laughs> WNBA superstar.
And then uh, my guy, Prakash. Look at that. With Pops, with VJ sitting in the royal box. Uh, what a day, Prakash. Tell us about it. Oh. Weissman, what a special day this was. It was so cool. My uncle Anand got to join as well. I mean, I took all the pictures there, you know, under the Rudyard Kipling quote as you walk in. It was so special. It was magnificent to have the chairman have us there, Ian Hewitt. And, you know, I mean, Anna Winter, Justin Rose, everyone was there. But I'll tell you what had me the most nervous. Mm. After, I was running through the halls, ran into Tim Henman. And I'm like, oh, Tim, what's going on? He's like, okay, I hope you had a great time over there. Important question. Did you put the cream on the scones first or did you put the jam? Tim was one of my favorite players growing up. I didn't know what to say. I said, I put the cream on first, Tim, and he said, okay, good answer. That had me sweat. That had me sweat. It's a British thing. Okay. It's a British thing, you know. Give it the wrong answer then, I could have gotten thrown out of the club. I heard you got a little distracted, though. Is that true? Uh... There is no <laughs> cell phone in the royal box, I know that. What are you doing? What are you doing Who got there? this footage? That violates I was the rules not, of the royal box. I, was not, I do know that. I was not sliding. Look at Pops. Oh, Look come at on, Pops. you guys. I'm not even going to ask who was playing. I, I was, don't want to know. Were you Instagramming or what were you doing? Oh, Making I, a reel? I will tell you what I was not doing. I was not sliding <laughs> into anyone's DMs in case anyone was wondering. Weissman. Just for the record. By the way, I, I, I talked to VJ, and he told me that he was able to enjoy all the drinks <laughs> and all the food because Prakash's dietary restrictions. Oh, he wasn't man. drinking at all. You know, Even there? I made some exceptions over that there. That lunch I, is spectacular. That Come lunch on. is spectacular, and tea time, you know, it's a whole thing over there. <sighs> what a day. What a day. It was great to have you there. Uh, we are leading up so close to Leighton Hewitt's big day in Newport, Rhode Island. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back here at Tennis Channel. We are lucky to have more Hall of Famers on our roster than any other tennis network. Let's take a look back at our colleagues getting inducted in Newport over the years. What I lived is more than I could ever have hoped for because so many people nurtured me, guided me, befriended me, pushed me, calmed me, challenged me, encouraged me, and most of all, believed in me. From the deepest place in my heart, there's a big thank you for everyone who touched me. I was five years old when I first uh, hit a tennis ball and a racket was put in my hand. And I never wanted to learn another sport, and I still don't. I'm proud to say that no other sport has benefited from having such great people as its leaders. The big four guys really pissed me off most of the time when I played them. But I'm absolutely proud to have my life and career associated with such, such quality individuals. This day is one of the most emotional days. I've already cried about six, seven times. But thanks to tennis writers and voters, I want to thank them for including me with an incredible group of champions that's up there in the museum. And I really hope that everybody here, before you leave, either today or tomorrow after the finals, you go up to that museum and you visit all the great players from the late 1800s all the way through to today. It's a remarkable museum and hall of fame, and I want to thank everybody here that makes this great monument to our sport possible. It really means a lot to me to be given this award from the hall of fame and to think that I'm in the same group as Don Budge, Jack Kramer, Rod Laver, Billie Jean King, Althea Gibson, Suzanne Langland, all of those people that have already been inducted into the Hall of Fame. To think that now I'm in that group is, is amazing to me. It's, it's quite overwhelming. I've given a very good part of my soul to the game of tennis, but as in life, 
When you give, you receive. And I must say that tennis has given me soul and that debt I can never repay. Thank you very much. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, how long did it take for you to come up with the speech and write it? Mm, I don't know. Just my biggest thing was, like, I'm not going to read my speech. Not looking down. I'm just going to speak from my heart and have some bullet points. And that was important to me. I don't know why. So that was me. I don't know. I think it's so special having all of you guys here as, a, as the family for a couple of reasons. One, you know, the game has obviously given you guys so much. You have given it so much. But you still genuinely love it so much that you're able to put that care into the narratives of all the great players that are out there today. And that kind of giving back is, is priceless for all of us who love the sport so much. And then on a selfish note, just to kind of be around all of this greatness, you're you, you seep in so much, and you learn so much from all of you guys, and it's a, it's a, it's a really special thing. Hmm. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay loves when people yeah. talk about her. No, it's an amazing group here, and it's fascinating all the different mindsets of the different players who have played, or whether you're a Hall of Famer or not. Um, it's not there's no one way you have to be, or one, no one path, or there's a certain way you have to handle yourself. We have such a mix of characters in our crazy sport, and this crazy family here, it's pretty fun to kind of get to know everybody on their path. It is indeed. It's always a pleasure being with you, Linz. <laughs> Thank you, you guys. too, Prakash. <laughs> That's all for TC Live. The ceremony will begin after a quick break. Leighton Hewitt getting inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Our Brett Haber is the host for the ceremony. Don't go anywhere, folks. <laughs> 